Hey everybody, welcome to the Stewardship Simplified Podcast, the place where pastors, practitioners, and partners come together to talk about the realities and challenges of giving and stewardship today and what's coming up tomorrow. Hear from experts in generosity and leadership as they share their insights on best practices, trends, and resources. Hello, everybody. Thanks again for listening to the Stewardship Simplified Podcast. This is Rick Wheeler, and we have a treat for you today. I have a friend that I have uh, developed a a wonderful relationship with over the last year. Her name is Heather Housel with us today, and Heather's an attorney. She's an estate attorney. Uh, We're going to talk a little bit about her journey and how all of that came to be. And she's a Florida Baptist. She uh, lives in Fernandina and uh, serves uh, there faithfully um, as a layperson at First Baptist Fernandina Beach. And uh, we get into talking about estate planning, the benefits of estate planning, the dangers and problems if you don't have an estate plan. So uh, I think you're going to enjoy this. We cover a lot of ground in a short amount of time. So buckle up. You might want to get your uh, moleskin out and take some notes. Uh, But uh, it's all part of what we're trying to do here at Stewardship Simplified and helping you maximize kingdom resources by following God's plan. One of the ways that we want to do that is providing you a estate planning guide. Now we actually mentioned this in the podcast, but you can go to our show notes, find the link and fill out a little information and actually get a very comprehensive estate planning guide that will help get the ball rolling and then contact us and then we can help you kind of move that forward as well. But uh, look forward to this conversation. Thanks for chiming in. And here is my conversation with Heather Housel. Well, hello, Heather. We are so glad to have you on the Stewardship Simplified podcast. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Now, um, we're going to talk about something today that I am so excited about because really, we were talking a little bit earlier, it's really at the heart of what we do at Stewardship Simplified. We, you know, Our organization has been around over 75 years, and we do all kinds of things to help churches. But this is the thing that we've always done, which is to come alongside people and help them have a a great uh, plan for their estate, which allows them to charitably give to to causes and the things that the Lord would lead them to do. So this is something we've been doing for a long time. So I'm glad that we can have a conversation about it. But before we get into that, we want to hear a little bit more about you. Now, you have an interesting path. You and I have gotten to know each other over the last several months, and um, I've known your family for a while. And so tell us a little bit about that and the path of becoming an attorney. That's always an interesting story, I bet. And I know that you've lived overseas a little bit. So tell us a little bit of what that was like. So just share us a little bit more of your background. Okay, perfect. So um, I grew up actually here in Northeast Florida in Callahan um, and just, you know, a very normal life. Grew up in the church um, at North Jacks and um, just really thankful for a family that was devoted to the Lord and that that, um, that taught me, you know, the core tenets of, of the gospel and, and um what Jesus has done for us. And so I'm, I've been so thankful for that. Like you said, you know, my, my family, they're missionaries. Um, I did not grow up overseas is in my childhood, but I have spent time overseas. They are missionaries in Ecuador. They work with young kids. Um, and I've had the opportunity to go there multiple times, work in an orphanage there. Um, and through um, various studies along the way, always knew that the Lord was calling me to work with um the vulnerable, really. Um, and that's always been my heart. And so going up through school, doing social work and traveling to the Philippines to work, you know, with victims of trafficking and um, then going to work for a homeless shelter here in town at the Salzbacher Center and just mm-hmm. learning the needs of the people 
and um, how those can oftentimes be legal issues that are their barriers to to homelessness. Um, That's ultimately what led me to law school. I thought I was Mm going to be a missionary and work in the orphanages, you know, in Mm -hmm. Ecuador. Um, But ultimately, I thought, you know, there's so much that you can do with a a professional skill, if you will, and seeing that, you know, even orphans, they need attorneys. And so, Mm, you know, the homeless people, they need attorneys. And so um, I ended up going to law school at Regent University. It's a Christian university. And um, that's when my parents left for the mission field, actually. So got to spend a lot of time there. um, And by the way, to interject, um, we're going to give a shout out to your parents because it's Gary and Dina Pate. They have Pate Ministries. They've been there now for over a decade now, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, I say that because many of our listeners have connected with them. They know of that ministry. And uh, I've known them for a while and then just got to know you uh, more recently. So it was like, yes. oh, this is your family. So uh, some of our folks would know who that is. I just want to give a shout out to Pate Ministries there. Yes. Well, thank you. They would mm-hmm. appreciate that, too. And they're they're amazing. And, and I feel like I've gotten a lot of my... Um, uh, character and desires mm-hmm. to help the vulnerable through them. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I did end up going to law school and um, found myself working with kids who were being abandoned, abused, and neglected and um, ended up in the military. And now I'm helping, um, you know, the vulnerable population at this time in elder law. Um, mm-hmm. And so helping people kind of identify needs at the end stage of their life. Yeah, sure. Now, as I said, we're going to zero in and just talk about the the reasons and the, the benefits of having an estate plan. But, um, you know, that's something we've been doing and we kind of do that a number of ways and we interact with, with uh, clients in Florida Baptist and kind of usher them through that process. But uh, f- you're coming at it from a, as an attorney, so we want to get your viewpoint and your understanding of this. So from your legal mind, what are the benefits of, because I think there's some even non-legal benefits, but what what are the, the legal benefits of having a well-crafted estate plan? Um, and, and is that just for wealthy old people? It's not. <laughs> and I think that's an important point because, you know, I'm, I'm young. Don't, don't shoot me. But, um, you know, I'm 34. So, you know, just the, just don't the despise Timothy just for his youth. Yeah, you know. um, but, you know, I think it's really important because and this is maybe one of those non-legal reasons, but people want peace of mind. Right. And we know that the Lord uh, is sovereign over all things, but we'd like to know that we have a little bit of control in how we yeah. how we plan, right? He calls us to be stewards, and that is involved um, planning. And so for someone like me, who's young, but maybe has kids, yeah. when I can build an estate plan, I know that my children are going to be taken care of. Right. Um, I can manage my assets. I can title my assets in a way that my kids will, will have a livelihood when I'm gone. Um, mm-hmm. We're not promised tomorrow. And so mm-hmm. I want to know who's going to take care of my kids and how they're going to be cared for. Right. Um, you know, and if you're if you're someone who's maybe middle-aged, you've got a lot of concerns and you want to make sure that your, man, your money and mm-hmm. your assets are managed in a way that if, you know, a lot of my clients at this point, especially middle-aged, are taking care of their parents who right. might who they might be supporting and providing for um, and they're potentially taking care of their kids. You know, if you're at the end stage of life, you want to know where your assets are going Mm -hmm. when you pass. You Mm want to know, you know, are they going to something good? If I have a child who maybe um, isn't making the decisions that I want them to make, do I have a way to protect those assets for that child even after I'm gone? Right. Um, And so the benefit of having an estate plan is that you get to really plan and decide who's going to manage your assets, who's going to benefit from you, and you get to choose as opposed to the state and the government Mm -hmm. stepping in and deciding 
by law, who's going to manage your assets, who's going to mm-hmm. manage um, or who's going to receive your assets. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think a lot of people want to know that the government's not involved, um, <laughs> you know, and that gives people peace of mind and that they have planned mm-hmm. and um, and that you're planning for contingencies. Right. So no matter what situation you're in, you can plan um for the way for the way ahead. Yeah, sure. And you know, one of the things I like to quote Ron Blue uh, in this area where he says, "I like to do my giving while I'm living, so I'm knowing where it's going." Mm-hmm. Right. So it's like uh, you can't make decisions. Uh, and Jesus told us very clearly, you know, who builds the house unless you first count the cost. And this idea of being prepared, have a plan for what we're doing. We're not just called to steward. Uh, the the tithe that goes to say our church or you know other charitable things we have to steward everything the Lord has put into our hands and so one of the things of a, of an estate plan is it it gives us the peace of mind that knowing Lord you put some things in my hands mm-hmm. and as best I know we steward all of all of them well and uh, to your glory mm-hmm. and uh, so um, I think yeah I think that's a, a really good uh, description of that and so w- with that being in mind here's what I know about estate planning it's not a one size fits all. In fact, if you had, you know, five or six different individuals or families, each one of their plans would probably would be a little bit different, right? And there's actually different tools mm-hmm. that you use based upon the circumstances. Mm-hmm. And so um, this isn't a, a, a class on a state law, but uh, give us a little bit of a flyover of just some of the different options so we'll understand kind of what the categories are of different ways to approach estate planning. Sure. Well, if I can take two seconds to talk about your living documents, um, documents that that as an estate planning attorney or elder law attorney, I would recommend everyone have, and that's a durable power of attorney, mm-hmm. a healthcare surrogate, and a living will. All right, let's unpack those. Yes, so just we will. A little bit of so, each one of those. A durable power of attorney, you need someone to manage your assets during your life while you are still alive if you become incapacitated. We mm-hmm. don't know when that's going to happen. You know, dementia may, may come over a period of time, but if you get in a car accident mm-hmm. and you suddenly are incapacitated, you need somebody to be able to step in and make decisions for you. Mm-hmm. So it's that identifying someone to manage your financial resources right. while you're still alive. Okay. That ends at your death, right? Yeah. So that's when your will or trust or whatever takes over mm-hmm. um, with some caveats. Mm-hmm. Um, the healthcare surrogate is a, a document where you decide who makes healthcare decisions for you if you cannot. Yeah. Um, and so equally important, you know, a lot of times you can get away with spouse makes decisions, but maybe that's not not the best thing if your spouse is unable to make decisions mm-hmm. um, or may, maybe would be grieving too much to yeah. make decisions. Yeah. Um, and then the last is the living will, which is a simple statement about how you want to be cared for right. if you were in a, a an end of life, mm-hmm. there is state where there is no reasonable medical mm-hmm. probability of recovery. So yeah. those are your like living documents. When we talk about documents to prepare um, for when you die, mm-hmm. we're either talking mostly about wills or trusts. Mm-hmm. A trust is certainly something that you can have during your life. There are living revocable trusts that that I consider something akin to a, a super vault. You mm-hmm. put your money mm-hmm. in the trust. Um, and you get to be the recipient of that trust and you get to identify how that money is spent during your life. And even when you're, when you, when you're passed, when you've died, you get to continue to basically control that money from the grave by identifying Mm -hmm. how those resources are going to be spent, how they're going to be bequeathed to a beneficiary and if there are conditions placed on that or what have you. Um, and the other, the other option is a will, and that's more of a simple document. Um, that 
comes into play when you die. So um, a will tells a judge through the probate process how your assets are are to be distributed Mm -hmm. upon your death. Who's going to manage your assets? Who's going to maybe take care of your kids if, you know, if you have minors or if you have an adult disabled child who's going to care for that person Mm. and manage their money? Um, So the difference between... A will and a trust is that a trust is active now Mm -hmm. and continues to be active after your life. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The will really means nothing until you die. Right. And it really only has significance if you have assets in your name alone. So Heather Housel has Mm -hmm. a bank account and nobody else is on that. My husband's not on it. Mm -hmm. I don't have any beneficiaries tied to that account. now my husband has to take that bank account to the court. The right. court has to look to my will and decide where that money is going to go and who's exactly. going to manage it. Yeah. So yeah, that's, that's the helpful. overview. Yeah, it is. Thank you for that flyover. That's a lot of lot yeah, of information. It is a lot. You know, going back to the documents you, you mentioned, though, particularly the the durable power of attorney and the healthcare surrogate. Um, you know, just a you know, quick story about 15 years ago, I went in for uh, you know a, what they call a minor surgery. You know, minor surgery is something that happens to somebody else, but but, it, but I was told it was going to be a minor surgery, and unfortunately, without getting into all the details, uh, the minor surgery kind of had a complication. And next thing you know, I was in ICU for a couple of days. Now, I wasn't really at death's door, but but some serious things had happened that didn't go according to plan. And uh, I'm out of it with things hooked up to me and all of this. Well, I mean, the the hospital began to talk to my wife, Camille, like, do you have a durable power of attorney? Do you have the health care? You know, if something goes wrong where he's not able to make these decisions, are you going to be able to do that? Now, at that time, I was in my 30s. And unfortunately, I didn't have those documents in place. But I assure you that soon after that, we did. Uh, so I, I say that only just to say, Sometimes we think about these things as being for people in the more mature season of life. No, you know, if you're younger, statistically, life insurance companies would tell you you're much more likely to become disabled than you are to die in the next 10 or 15 years. So these kind of documents become really important uh, for your family. All right. So thank you for that that description. Now, um, that's kind of the benefits and the, the different options. Let's talk to you, you know, from your experience, from my experience, and just working with people over the years. Um, you know, unfortunately, uh, the, the statistic seems to maintain pretty even that about two-thirds or 70% of adult Americans don't have a will. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I find that hard to believe, but, but it's true. Mm-hmm. And so there's a large population of people out there, and I suspect that number's probably... Um, the same within the church. Mm-hmm. but So there's a large population of people out here who have not put a plan in place for whatever reason. They're not taking advantage of those benefits that we've talked about. But, but more than just not getting to enjoy those good things, there's some bad things that can happen if you don't have an estate plan or a will or some mechanism in place or even these documents that we mm-hmm. talked about. So just walk us through, you know, uh, some of the cautions you would have to say, hey, you don't have these things in place. Mm-hmm. Here's what can happen mm-hmm. or does happen, you know, uh, when we haven't planned. For sure. Well, and I appreciate your your experience, you know, mm-hmm. with your power of attorney situation mm-hmm. and your your surgery and I'll just even uh, on the perspective of the power of attorney and these living documents, um, I have folks who don't have powers of attorney 
they become incapacitated through some kind of a, you know, Alzheimer's or right. dementia. Yeah. And then, you know, the, the family needs to do some planning mm-hmm. to even prepare for Medicaid. So yeah. we're talking, yeah. we're not talking death here. We're talking just, life, right. just getting yeah. through paying for skilled care, whatever it may be. And we can't do the things that we need to do to qualify them for Medicaid because they haven't identified someone to mm-hmm. take control of those assets and allow us to do what needs to be done. Yeah. And so now we've got kind of a crisis situation where we're either literally spending all of their money to, to pennies so that they can then qualify for Medicaid or, you know, um, having to, to deal with their assets as they are and maybe get less less good care, Um, you know, so that's on the power of attorney's side. So, I mean, that, that is one thing that I think is Mm -hmm. absolutely critical for people. Once it's too late, it's too late, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. And and you have to, I mean, you have to be able to identify, can, do they know who's making the decision and Mm -hmm. do they want that person to make the decision? So it's a low threshold to, to be able to sign that document, but it needs to, it needs to be in place. Um, and you're right. We don't know, you know, we don't know when that could happen. Mm-hmm. So in terms of not having a will or a trust, um, some kind of a state planning document, um, you are going to be at the mercy of the courts and your family, right. um, truly. So the courts are going to be using um, the state, the statutes to determine who's going to manage your property, who's going to care for your children or your adult disabled children. And certainly that gets left up to families to quabble over, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. um, is it, is it my in-laws that are taking care of my kids or is it my parents, you know, yeah. who live in Ecuador, you know, who yeah. like, who's going to be taking care of the kids. And certainly that can be a very sensitive issue right. for someone like me. Yeah. Um, if you are a blended family um, mm-hmm. and let's say, um, we're not a blended family, but let's say I have children and my husband has separate children. Mm-hmm. If my husband dies and then I, and then I die, mm-hmm. um, I'm the last one to die. Mm-hmm. So technically speaking, you know, if I'm the last one to die, then everything would go to my kids That's and right. not his kids. Because they came to you first. Even, right. Because then, they are not yeah. my legal heir. Right. Um, you know, by law, it would be the blood or if there's an adoption or your, you know, blood relative. So, so inadvertently, they could be disinherited. Excluded. Yeah, yes. Right. Even mm-hmm. for assets, you know, if all of our assets were jointly titled, my husband dies mm-hmm. first, then all of a sudden I own all of the assets that we jointly held. Mm-hmm. And then, um, and you know, his, his children are excluded mm-hmm. by law if I don't have a will and neither did he. Right. So I think, you know, trusts make um, planning for blended families much easier because once both of you pass or once the first person to die um, passes, then Mm -hmm. um, the surviving spouse can't change that trust. It becomes Mm -hmm. irrevocable, but it provides for me during my life and Mm -hmm. then goes to Mm -hmm. however we want it to go and decide it on jointly. So that can be a very good tool for blended families. Um, Or let's say I have a child that, um, that's on drugs or Mm -hmm. that has an addiction Mm -hmm. of some sort. Mm -hmm. And, and I want all of my children to, you know, then all of my children will benefit equally, Mm -hmm. even if I have a child who maybe I could have protected um, by adding specific trust provisions. Um, Mm -hmm. And you can do that to a will. You can have a simple will Mm -hmm. um, and then add a testamentary trust in that for a child maybe that has Mm -hmm. some kind of uh, concern. Mm -hmm. So I, I think you, you leave a lot in the hands of the government and you leave a, a, a lot um, just at risk, yeah. depending on the circumstances. Yeah. Um, and the other thing I'll say is certainly if you're involved in probate, um, which is not having any kind of a state plan document because the government steps in to dis- right. make decisions, mm-hmm. um, then you're going to be risking um, 
creditors. So now all of a sudden your, your estate is open to creditors. Right. Um, and maybe that soaks up all of your assets and you have nothing to leave to your family. Yeah. Um, and then um, certainly just litigation. Yeah. And families, they know that money's on the table. Suddenly people get uh, yeah. a little feisty. Yeah, the way I say it is, is uh, kind of summarizing some of the things you've touched on is, there are three C's that you're in danger of. The first is confusion. Mm-hmm. You know, both of my parents have passed away years apart. I've got one brother. We get along great. So, but it really matters. There, and I'm talking about just the the emotional and um, the desire as a child to know that you did what they wanted you to do, and um, you know to have that plan in place to say this is what we wanted. This is what it gives you because without that, you're just flying blind. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I even had a, I had a grandmother who, uh, she went around her house and would put masking tape on the back of all the pictures and the knickknacks of who she wanted to have everything, you know, and, you know, it became a little bit humorous at some point where, mm-hmm. you know, we would go to give this ashtray to somebody and go, now <laughs> she wanted you to have this, you know, but, but she was that particular mm-hmm. about that. But, but that's, that's a, you know, a crazy example. But the reality is if you don't know, it's confusing to go, well, I don't know if they would have wanted this or that. And so you're, you're actually doing your family, your heirs a favor mm-hmm. by clearing up, you know, that confusion, which um, also leads me to the second one you touched on, which is when there are assets at stake now and, and to be determined what's going to happen to them, that can lead to all kinds of unnecessary conflict mm-hmm. and not necessarily bad faith or people with bad will, but but it, it can bring out the worst uh, in people sometimes in the worst situations that can be completely avoided uh, with a plan. So, you know, you're not doing your, your children or your heirs any favors by by leaving that up in the air. And then the last one, so you have, you know, confusion and clarity, but cost. Mm-hmm. You know, what's it going to cost mm-hmm. for the government to have to step in, the court cost, the the fact that you haven't taken advantage of uh, tax uh, mm-hmm. uh, opportunities to avoid uh, taxes in certain situations. Mm-hmm. So there's, you know, there's confusion. There is just a, a conflict and a cost that it can happen when you haven't prepared well. And you're, it's just not loving, mm-hmm. you know, to, to the people in your family to just go, well, y'all will figure all that out. I can't mm-hmm. tell you, Heather, how many times I've had people, because I'll say, well, they'll say, well, what do y'all do? We do estate planning. I was like, oh, we'll just, we'll just uh, let the kids worry about all that, you know. Mm-hmm. And, I, you know, you're just not being very loving to them by right. not having a plan. Yes. So, well, um, where would one begin? I mean, what's the, what what do you think the the first step? I'm going to talk about some steps that they can take through Stewardship Simplified and how we're Mm -hmm. helping them maximize their estate by following God's plan. But um, if if somebody's out there listening, they go, okay, I get it. I'm I'm convinced. What would you say would be step one? I would say they need to sit down and they need to really um, just think through what are the assets that I have and what what is my end goal? You know, what is my mm-hmm. end goal for these assets, um, both during my life and after my life? Mm-hmm. And once you kind of sit down and just kind of ponder that for a little bit, the next step I would definitely recommend is reaching out to some kind of an estate planning attorney. Mm-hmm. Elder law attorneys are in the business of estate planning. Um, and reach out to an attorney and sit down and, and just talk through what the options are right. and what meets that family's particular goals and um, and what's the most efficient way to go f- 
forward from there. Great, great. And a couple ways that we help with that is, number one, we have a Planning Your Legacy Estate Planning Guide. It's available through our website. We're also going to put a, a link in the show notes to, to go on and fill out a form and get that planning guide. It's over 40 pages, but it, it's just full of helpful information. Some of the things that we've talked about uh, in this conversation, but also some tools and, and some things that, like you say, help kind of inventory and cat. Some people don't even know what all they have mm-hmm. until you actually sit down and start, you know, yes. kind of taking an inventory of everything and then began to start to make some decisions about, now, what would the Lord have us do to, to honor him, to be loving towards our children by having this plan and avoid unnecessary cost of taxes or court fees or other things that would be involved. So we would we would uh, uh, invite our listeners to go to the show notes, find that link, go to our website at floridabaptist.org and find that. We also, for those who are involved in church leadership, uh, pastors and treasurers, stewardship team members, we come to churches and offer a state planning workshop. It's one of the things that we do together, Heather. Mm-hmm. And we schedule times for uh, our staff or you to be there to, to talk about these things and then have opportunity for individuals to follow up. No pressure, no big sales thing, just education. Mm-hmm. And then letting people uh, respond as the Lord prompts them to take their steps and, and make a plan. Our mission, our goal is that we have prepared people who have made plans to steward well what God has put into their hands. And so uh, that's what we're trying to do. So, well, thank you so much for being uh, on our podcast. You're a busy person. You're a mom, you're an attorney. And so thank you for taking the time out to do this with us today. It is such a pleasure. It's so comforting to me when I, when I sit with a client, even this morning, I sat with clients and they say, you know, it's just, it's good to have peace of mind. Mm. And I think that's really um, what brings me joy is just getting to help people get to the place where they they know that everything's taken care of and just like you said they're not putting the pressure on their kids right they've handled that good thanks again thank you stewardship simplified podcast is provided for general information purposes only and does not offer or constitute personalized financial investment tax or legal advice listeners should not act upon the content or information found here without first seeking appropriate advice from a tax financial or legal professional Mentions of the Church Growth Investment Fund are not an offer to sell nor a solicitation of an offer to buy securities of the Church Growth Investment Fund. Any solicitation of an offer to buy or sell is made solely through and by CJF's offering circular, which you should read carefully before making an investment decision. Offer and sales of these securities will be made only through representatives of the Church Growth Investment Fund. CJF securities are subject to certain risk factors as described in the offering circular.